live episode of the Hardcore Finance Podcast with... Hello, hello. Shimon. How are you doing, Alex? Good. How are you doing? Long time no talk. Long time since we recorded these podcasts. Long Excited to do another one. Yeah, me too. So uh, what, what would you like to talk about today? Well, you know, elections are coming up. Uh, it's getting close. And regardless of what the polls say, let's just take a strictly economical lens and see, you know, who's going to be better for us from the stock market perspective, Biden or Trump? That sounds very good. Yeah. So we'll limit ourselves to just analyzing the stock market. Uh, what time period do you want to analyze? Do you want to look at the next four years or the next year or the next eight years? Yeah, that's a good point. Well, let's let's do four, ten Let's do four and ten, or kind of the the, the term of president is in office, at least for one term, versus some sort of long run, if you will. Let's call it ten years. Okay, sounds good. So, uh, who do you think uh, will be better for the start? <laughs> I, I I I will, <laughs> but I guess if we have to pick one, um. There are differences. I'm sure we're going to discuss them, and obviously we will. But I think Biden will. What about you? Okay. Um, I think it's a really confusing issue uh, because essentially uh, the problem with Trump is that he doesn't just talk about tax cuts. He, he also does like weird things with the money. But, uh, but I think Trump will actually be better for the stock market. Uh, and I'm taking a, a bold move here because Goldman Sachs came out with an analysis that say um, that they say that basically Biden is going to be much better. So, uh, so it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, no, well, let me change my position. I think under both of them, the stock market will go much higher over the next four years. I just think that under Trump, it will go even more higher than under Biden. But I want to be very clear that I hold a very firm position that both of them will make the stock market go much, much higher. Mm -hmm. But do, do you mean marginally higher or significantly higher? Significantly higher. So, under Trump than under Biden? No, I think under both of them, it's going to be significantly higher. And Trump is maybe, yeah, I, it's hard for me to know by how much the difference would be. We wouldn't be doing this podcast if we could answer these questions. <laughs> or would we? So, so, okay, good. Why don't we start there? Actually, I think let's break it up to three parts. Why we both, I think, agree that it will be higher in general. I think let's remind listeners, whoever listened to the first podcast we've ever done, uh, remind them why we think it will be higher. Uh, and then we can talk about why I think Biden and you think Trump. So do you want to start about, you know, why do you think it'll go up? Yeah, definitely. And and I want to uh, put another caveat. There's two parts to my um, hypothesis of why it will be higher. A, it will be higher in dollar terms. Uh, so just like if you just look at the number, but also it will be higher, I think, in real terms. So net of inflation, if you had invested in the stock market, it would be uh, you, you would make money. Um, and the main reason I think this will be the case is, uh, there's basically two reasons. One of them is what we discussed on our last, uh, episode, which is technology is just like going really, really fast and it's accelerating. And, uh, because of that, it's basically making things cheaper. And, uh, if the government did not intervene at all, the technology would just cause a lot of deflation, uh, which again, deflation doesn't mean, cause like, we're talking about the stock market in real terms. 
so even if let's say all the prices went down, but your index went down less than the prices, there would still be a gain. But I think that uh, because the government uh, has so much debt and it's trying to inflate this debt away uh, by printing a lot of money um, under both administrations. So I think that this thing is just accelerating. So I think the amount of money you need to print just to cover your debts uh, is is just getting higher and higher every year because uh, because of many reasons that we discussed in the past. So that's like one part. And then the other part is that both Trump and Biden are populists. They're hardcore populists. They're short-term thinkers in the sense of just for a monetary sense. Like I know that Biden likes to talk about climate change and stuff that's like more long term, but his solution to climate change is let's print a bunch of money and give it to people so they can like retrofit buildings and stuff or, you know, so it's like short term. And and that basically will pump the stock market because, um, so, again, instead of, yeah. That's, so it's that's interesting. I, I guess two things. I actually disagree on the point of Biden in the short term, and that's my thesis about why stock market will actually do better mm-hmm. under him. So let's get there. Um, but I think there's one more, or to really underscore the point you made earlier, is that technology will keep on propelling goods to be produced cheaper. And we see the way technology has taken over uh, and propelled the recent stock market acceleration, if you will. We mm-hmm. will have the same thing going forward. And, and I think we both agree that under each administration, again, not only will it we'll, we'll go up, I think it's an easy thing to say, it'll go up. Typically, stock markets go up. Exactly. But we, we will go up higher than that average 8 to 10% a year. We both think yeah. that right now we're in a time where there's really going to be this acceleration in the market. And no matter what president um, it is, what administration is there, it'll keep on increasing. And in fact, so there's two very interesting uh, um, charts. One you showed me, there's a chart, we can maybe put a link to it, which shows you know stock market increases by administration, and there really is no difference Democrats or Republicans. You found that one. And the one I always like to do: just go onto your phone, you know, Apple or Android or Samsung, whatever you have, and or whatever listeners have, and you look at the stock market S and P five hundred. Look at it over ten years. There is no slope change from Obama to Trump. Yeah, with the tax cuts and so on. And so the market is. We were in such an abyss in two thousand eight, nine, and ten major uh, measures were taken. The market got heated. It's still heated. There's still a lot of money on the side. And, you know, I like to think that for the U.S., we're almost, (laughs) it's kind of like we're in this economical matrix and the rest of the world is in the real world. Mm -hmm. Like when there's, when Corona hits, even though we're printing money, right, and there should be inflation. No, but there's a flight to safety, a flight to the dollar. For example, from the rest of the world, and still the dollar is strong, and still economy is strong, and the, the only inflation we have is in real assets, not in consumable goods. And that's a whole separate discussion, but the fact that we're printing money and we're not really seeing a lot of inflation, and not, I'm not really worried about inflation coming up, is a unique factor that the number one economy can have. So I think we both agree, uh, back to the original point, that it will go up and significantly more than your typical stock market return over a course of five to ten years. Yeah, and that, that's the question. The interesting point is that we should, first of all, address why do you think that it will be more than average? That's a really interesting point. Because, like, what what do you think is different about this coming? And, I just think, well, I just think yeah. it's just con- this, this continuous acceleration in technology. If you invested, so two things, right? For me, 
if you look at the NASDAQ increases or the tech stocks increases, especially the, the, the super majors, their increases have outpaced the S&P by far. I yep. don't remember the exact percentages, but we can look this up. 30, 50% versus, you know, 10, 20% and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So, and why is that the case? Because there's a con- con- consolidation, obviously, right? There's pricing power, but there's also a reliance on some of these services. In many ways, we relied on, we rely on Microsoft and Amazon in the cloud, right? We rely on Amazon to create a, infrastructure for us during COVID where things are just delivered to our house, both goods and food, right? We rely on Netflix and others to keep us entertained. We we rely on Facebook to keep us connected for better for on Google and so on and so forth. It, it, like COVID has underscored the critical part these mega tech players and tech really plays in, um, in our world. And it's becoming a much bigger and bigger piece of the S&P, right? It's becoming a bigger, bigger piece of the Dow, these stocks. Yeah. So they are naturally taking over in importance faster than others. So yeah. along with the increase in the stock market, I believe tech will keep on driving things more and more. Yeah, and, and something really interesting that you said about the acceleration reminds me of uh, Ray Kurzweil's point about like why why is this acceleration happening? And it's because basically you use the latest technology to create the new technology. So for example, I remember um, I, I, I once did a consulting case. So like one of the first um, entities to implement self-driving vehicles were coal mines, which is not intuitive. But when you think about it, if you have a coal mine, you control the whole area. Like there's no traffic, there's no traffic. Yeah. So like you load a vehicle you know, in one port and you have to tra- transport the thing to another place. That's the first self-driving vehicle right there. So the invention of self-driving vehicles suddenly made coal cheaper. Then the cheaper coal, you know, makes energy cheaper and so forth. So now if we look at coronavirus, okay, everybody now is ordering from Amazon. Uh, It's more efficient than going to the store. And so now, you know, we're all ordering our stuff from Amazon and then we have more time to consume more things and so forth. So it's really cool. And and this, we spoke last time that coronavirus is accelerating uh, all the tech trends. So that's why we think it will be overall a great year for the stock market. And also, you know, all the deficits, even if we don't talk about the next administration, just the amount of money that has been printed over since we last spoke pretty much. Uh, has been tremendous, just tremendous amounts of money. And there's one to two trillion on the table now again for, you know, another uh, stimulus package. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're going to be in this for a little bit here. And the crazy thing is someone told me, you know how fractional reserve banking basically means that for every, let's say, $100 that's deposited in the bank, they can lend out another $900. You can apply the same system for the u.s printing money for every dollar that the u.s prints the other guys can yeah. like nine dollars you know so it's like it's just it's just insane because like currencies compete with each other and stuff like that okay cool so let's talk about the differences between the two administrations now so you think biden by the way i just want to say something about short term versus long term in terms of framing what do i mean by long term long term is something like if you give people uh um um those payments, uh, you know, like, and not, not even unemployment, like, um, how do you call the payments you get if you're like a single mother? Social and, security or medic? Or, or No, you have welfare. Okay, welfare. So there's this study, oh, okay. right? 
that people of color were much more productive uh, before welfare, even though uh, they didn't have equal rights, which is kind of counterintuitive. But the idea is like you give someone welfare, it disincentivizes them to work. So for me, the long-term solution would be like, don't give people welfare, and then they will develop long-term skills, which will allow them to be more productive. Like, you know, teach a man to fish, and then it's better than just keep giving them fish. And so what I think that is short-term about Biden is that he says, oh, we have this problem, let's throw money at it. We have this problem with climate change. Instead of saying, okay, let's let's figure out a way to like let the market figure out a way to clean up the air, whatever, by sucking CO2 out of the air with nuclear power plants. It's like, no, let's like switch everything from like coal to solar or whatever. So they're kind of throwing money at the problem. In that sense, I mean, it's like short term. Of course, Trump is short term in the sense that, yeah, Pennsylvania is a swing state, so we need to support coal miners. So let's like put tariffs on whatever. Like that's extremely short term. But uh, you know what I mean? So that's what I mean by, you know, I think that the less the government is involved in things, the more efficient they are. And so that's why you get better long term outcomes. So that's just the, my definition of short term. There's a lot in there, but I will say uh, we, we'll dive in because it's important to understand. I don't think even we do a definition that Biden is a short term or is lagging long-term as much as you think. But I think on a macro point, the sort of sad part is that I don't really know what Biden's or Trump's policies actually are. I mean, you can go onto the websites and it's just, it's a bunch of platitudes, Biden included, when you are trying to search for what they're actually trying to do. And what we talked about before the call is that's not even discussing what they actually could get done potentially, right? Versus what they're trying to do. But it's it's all over the place. And it's it's a sad state of the world where, you know, the U.S. presidency is basically trying to choose such a polarization. I, I'm trying to thread the needle without being too political. <laughs> I'm trying to choose, you know, that tired old man versus the kind of a current maniac just being factual about what's what's happening in the in, in the in the in the White House, yeah. um, but having said that, there is a fundamental I think framework for how we can, can uh, consider this. One is availability of cash flows. Ultimately, you know, stocks are discounted cash flows, and the second is. Um, so I, I should say the the availability of cash flows is what's happening to the overall market, right? Investment, and then uh, the second part is let's call it the, well the net cash flows that you're getting in, basically taxes, right? Because Trump tries to affect things through tax policy. Well, we're going to cut taxes, increase future cash flows. Let's go increase the value of my company, increase the value of stocks, right? Biden says no, I will raise taxes so decrease future cash flows. But we will use this money in other ways as a government to invest in whatever sectors, right? And then create jobs there, mm-hmm. right? So it's about how the money circulated through yeah. the economy within the corporation itself, right? Or by creating other, supporting other industries. Yeah. And my stance in general on this is I also agree for the free market, but as we've seen recently, um, 
many of these corporations have gotten funds and are letting them sit in the on the balance sheet in their bank accounts, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember, you know, a few years ago, Apple had what, 200 billion in cash, something mm-hmm. along those lines. I don't know how much they have now. The point, it doesn't really even matter. They have a ton, right? What's the point in, as an investor for me to put money in a company that has money sitting in a bank? I can also put money in a bank, right? The point is that I'm giving it to a manager to fund projects that I couldn't do myself. That's mm-hmm. fundamentally the point of a, of a corporation. Yeah. And so, it's great that Apple has now more profits that inflates the stock market, the price, but the stock price also an expectation of future projects, future MPV projects. If, if the money's sitting there, what future, it's not being allocated efficiently. So my only, and I want to hear your opinion, but, but for me. You assume that it's going to continue sitting there. I, I disagree with that. Basically, money sitting there is money waiting for the right project, right? But and, I'm not. I'm not assuming that. I'm assuming. I'm assuming. Sorry, just just to clarify it, I'm assuming that the whatever the money that's sitting there, right? Who can allocate it better? Yes, a private company versus versus government mm-hmm. choosing, and it's always going to be a private company, except for in the time where the government acts and the private company doesn't. This is where. I'm assuming it's going to sit there for a N or T amount of time. That's the T amount of time that we should discuss. Who's going to act first with these funds? Exactly. Because we're seeing the tech companies actually sitting on this and not acting. Because if yeah. they were acting, it would be a different situation. But I don't think it's a bad thing that they're not acting. So my, my favorite example of this, and I think we spoke about this in a previous uh, podcast, is we went to the moon, right? Mm-hmm. Would it have it been better to wait 30 years to go to the moon? Like, instead of spending this enormous amount of money that you could have spent on schools, you could have spent it on giving everybody health care, right? Instead, you, you put someone in the moon. Now, there's no question that we got benefit from going to the moon. But, like, when was the right time to go to the moon? Was it because people were afraid of what the USSR will do? And they're like, shit, we have to go to the moon? It's like, no. But what's the point? I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying that it's not trivial to me that sitting on cash is better than, than, than doing something. Uh, with the cash because the government says. Now, I'll tell you two main problems I have with the government. One is they have a bias towards action, which is really bad. So it means you get elected, you have to show that you did something. Like if you say... But that's both candidates, right? I agree with you, but that's going to be both of them. Yeah, but that's why I'm saying I would prefer the government to just intervene less, to just like not touch things. Yeah, me too. People, give it to people, give it to corporations, and then... I think the outcome would be better that would be better that way. That's why I think that under Trump will get a higher stock market than under Biden because like the government, right? If you run four years from now and, and you say, look, I did nothing, but I didn't break anything and I didn't do any wars. That's not good. You have to say I did this and I invested in that and I created this amount of jobs. And we already spoke in a previous podcast, how stupid of a KPI it is, how many jobs you create. Like if you could deliver the same amount of well-being for half the jobs, it would be better. People would just sit on the couch and have fun and get the same amount of benefit, right? It's stupid to say, oh, created jobs, destroyed jobs. Yeah, no. sure. It's, a, it's very political. Okay, so the devil is in the details. So you say that it's better if the government acts because the uh, the companies don't act, and that's not good. I'm Recently, open- recently, companies haven't been acting. They've been accumulating historical amount of funds. Yeah, so I'm opening now CFR.org, which is some kind of nonpartisan whatever that tracks like 
promises and under Joe Biden, right? And I'm opening his economic policy, right? And so he says, uh, he says the 2017 tax reform is bad. He wants to repeal the 2017 law instead raising corporate taxes and taxes on investments and other passive income, uh, and increase middle class benefits such as the child tax credit. And he also says that additional tax revenue would help fund his 700 billion buy American economic plan. Under this plan, the federal government would spend 400 billion on U.S. goods and services over four years and devote another 300 billion to research and development of clean energy and other technologies. Okay. What? So, you know, intuitively it sounds good. It's populist and stuff. And that's what Goldman Sachs said, right? That the, this like spending in research and development and in American things, uh, will offset the, the hurt, uh, to the, um, you know, stocks because you raise the taxes. But I'm saying, why do you want to buy American? Maybe it's better to buy stuff from China. Like maybe consumers want to go to Walmart and buy cheap Chinese things. Like who? Well, because, into this because, but you can't fully disconnect the stock market from the economy. Tell me a country which had a, a economy in the gutter, but a high stock market. If we destroy our own economy, okay? Yeah, and if we do that, I'm not saying well, if you buy, but, but inevitably, I'm, but inevitably buy American is trying to, you know, funnel money back to American businesses versus that's the whole movement away from, you know, globalism that Trump is kind of writing on. This is Trump's movement. I know. Right. But, to, but I'm saying Trump at least doesn't say Trump does it with tariffs, which is really bad. But, uh, but <laughs> I think this is actually worse. I'll tell you why it's been the, the whole idea of a trade deficit is is bullshit. Uh, and it has been debunked. I don't think people believe that trade deficit matters because look, if consumers can get more stuff for cheaper from China, they have more left to then invest in education or healthcare or things that they cannot get from China. So like people just look at like one segment and say, oh, you'll buy it from China. So manufacturing jobs will be lost. They don't think of the healthcare and education jobs that will be gained because people have more change after buying cheaper stuff. So I don't understand this whole idea. Again, I'm just against intervention of any but, but listen, but you're describing Trump's economic policies now, right? With tariffs. No, I'm just talking about Biden for now. We can talk about Trump later, but I'm just... No, but, but this is the same. I know you're attributing this to Biden, but this is a very Trumpian thing. That's Trump something. doesn't want to raise taxes. That's the thing. But what do taxes have to, to do taxes. with... Because well, it says, I'm reading from CFR. He wants yeah. to raise taxes, and the question is, what does he do... With these taxes, so he wants to do buy American. So that's yeah, no, sure. Then the other problem I have, he wants to devote three hundred billion to research and development of clean energy. Yeah, Why clean energy. Why not CRISPR and genetics? Or like flat screens. Like, well, because but this is an easy one to explain because uh, because this is this is what he has to choose the policy he's running on. Right, he's running more on renewables, the clean energy. Look. This industry actually know pretty well, but for years it's like it's like a lot of the GOP or big oil come out and say we're against um, welfare. There's a lot of corporate welfare, legitimate corporate welfare towards traditional energy companies. So the government for years, even now, has subsidies and tax credits for various energy companies and their costs. But so the big oil has never. Why? Biden doesn't talk about removing them. 
But hold on a second. Hold on a second. But every if we that Biden's a need to talk about removing it because Trump talks about expanding them. That's always the Republican position. And green energy costs a lot. No, it's just because who's lobbying you? In this case, big oil, big energy is lobbying Republicans. And green energy, which in many cases is now cheaper, cheaper than uh, than traditional energy sources, is being lobbied. You know, lobby Democrats. So just it's like just. They're choosing their sides, but it's not like one side doesn't have these things. In fact, one the one side that doesn't have government subsidies in as much as the other one is green energy. Oil has tons and tons, even I now. Agree. I agree with you, and it's the stupid, like, Iowa, stupid. foreign subsidies, for sure. I'm just saying, if you don't raise taxes, right, and take this money and invest it in things that you arbitrarily choose, it's better, in my opinion, than than raising taxes and doing it because like to your point i completely agree with you that clean energy is like already at a point where it's like cheaper so why do you want to invest in research and development there maybe we should invest in research and development of pharmaceuticals listen fair enough but like but this is where it's it's this platform right i think i think you know the question then becomes it gets deeper is there a different alternative and you know industry he can invest in but regardless we still need there's still many problems with green energy outside of cost like storage for example that we haven't solved so let them invest in them. there's plenty of room for r&d in green energy all i'm saying I, is that I agree. there's plenty of room of r&d in many things I, yeah. i'm just saying that i don't want the government to make these decisions and look i'm continuing to read here right so he says for example okay he wants major reforms to education, pushing for free community college and vocational training, as well as free public four-year college. Okay, so why, like, raise taxes and then use this money to give people free college when instead you could cut taxes and then people take this money that they saved from the tax cuts and buy college with it? Again, so it's like an intervention of like, I'm no, because you're 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 allocating. You're trying, you're pooling. Just because my taxes are cut by 10% doesn't mean I can afford college. If mine and yours are both whatever increase, I'm not saying I agree with it, but it's, but the, the principle is we're going to take from a little bit from everyone, pool it together, and then target a whole, like a targeted sliver of people, right? From many to the few in many ways, right? Yeah. It's like reverse socialism, actually, or from the few to many. It just depends on where it goes. But, but that's not the point. If we're going to, I don't think we're we're saying is his policy sound because he has many holes as well as Trump. We should need to compare them side by side. Sure. Point by point, to sure. just because if there are arguments, who's going to be better? Stock market is going to go up. Who's going to make it marginally better? We've got to go side by side. Yeah, yeah. So if we take it as an equation, right, and we kind of cancel out things that are equal for both of them, both equally good and equally bad, I think the main difference, right, is again – uh, and it's the main difference between socialism and, and like free market. It's like, should the government, you know, spend the money or yeah. should the government give the money to people to spend? And, and th that's, I think, the bottom line. And if we ignore all the details. And so I just think, you know, you could be extremely lucky and somehow you choose the right things to invest in as a government, but it hasn't worked. Also, like government research usually is not very good. Like I read something where Europe was trying to build um, the European version of the internet uh, while the U.S. was like developing like in the mid 90s or mid 80s or something. And they had committees and they did all these protocols. And at the end, they had something and nobody ended up using. 
you know, because it's like it's really hard for the government to like. <laughs> That's just Europe. But who invented the internet in the U.S.? DARPANET, right? This is this is the homeland security in the military. So a lot of government in the U.S. leads, you know, leads especially in tech. Look, my my stance is I I disagree with that point. I think government can be good as long as when they harvest it correctly. I think here's my stance. I think it's it all ultimately comes down to uh, how are you going to create enough money that's going to go back out into the system, right? We talked about this before, though. Capital goods, consumable goods, right? We need money. We need a lever to pull in order to get consumable goods, money circulating among consumable goods. Because what's happening now is it's going towards real estate stocks and investment class assets, yeah. and it's being held there. It's being saved. We need it to get circulated, right? So is that helped by giving everyone a little bit, you know, 100 extra dollars or 1,000 extra dollars or whatever the amount is, Per month to take home because I'm going to take that. I'm going to spend it, or is it enough to collect and then have the government spend it? The question really is: is the mindset of the U.S. consumer ultimately right, or the U.S. businesses? If this is back in let's say 1997 in the height of the stock market, no way should the government keep any of the money, right? Because the, the, there's so much innovation activity, just Things are flying around. The economy is literally overheated, right? If you're in the middle of 2009, you want the government to spend because people are so scared to move, right? So you need a big entity, a whale, to come in and kickstart the economy, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not one answer or the other. It's also timing. So what do we believe we are? I believe we're in a place where we're on one hand overheated, but coronavirus created such an environment that the government needs to step in and calm calm the the volatility right now we just the volatility everywhere right I so the question is agree on yeah. that. So i completely agree with you uh i i don't agree by the way on the, the whole Keynesian. we can talk about it some other time but i don't think there's a difference between i think the federal reserve will be as aggressive with biden or with trump like i don't think that's the problem i think the problem is like do you want to collect taxes and then spend the money in a centralized way or do you want to lower taxes and and have people to have more consumer you know income and then they decide where to allocate it now i'll just tell you two things that you said that i think are a little bit uh, tricky so one you say pump stock prices as if this is like a bad thing no pumping stock prices basically just means that it lowers the cost of capital for these companies so that means they can sell their shares for more money than they otherwise would have and then use this money to do other things so I, I don't see anything bad about pumping stock prices per se, if we just say that that's the issue. And then the other thing that you said uh, is about the fact that like the government invests in longer term things. I actually think there's good examples of the private sector thinking, doing things for the long term and, and doing things that the government wouldn't do. Right. Like look at the electric cars. I mean, the the. The oil and gas uh, lobby killed the electric car in the 50s and the 60s because they just like, you know, lobbied the government to give them unfair incentives. Uh, and and so like it took someone like Tesla to make it cool to own a, an electric car and that created a capital, right? So, so it's just not trivial to me that that government is long term and good and, and corporations are sitting on cash and, and it's bad. And then the other thing about about cutting taxes 
some people say, oh, you know, it just benefits the rich, right? Because the poor don't pay taxes. I completely disagree with that also, because like if you cut taxes, it's like it tricks. Some of it goes into the poorest of the poor by, you know, cheaper costs of goods. Like th there's this stupid moment in the debate of, of uh, Kamala Harris and, and Mike Pence where he was like, you're going to raise taxes. And she's like, we're not going to raise taxes for people who don't make like over 400,000. It's like both of you are, are, are right. Like you can just not, she was talking about the income tax and he was talking about the overall tax burden. And they were like talking past each other. It's like, sorry, but if you raise corporate tax, it will make things more expensive. It will make products more expensive because all net, right? Like if, if you have another expense that's called a tax, you pass it on to the consumer. So I, I really don't understand this whole idea of like who benefits and, oh, it only benefits the rich or the poor. So I think it's helpful to just think of the economy as a whole. And I think that's pretty much my, my, uh, I, I, I hate many of the things that Trump is proposing, but like just the fact that he wants to lower taxes is my number one kind of, um, point why I think the stock market will go up even more if he's elected. I mean, like, fair enough. Uh, I, I guess, and, you know, I still stand on, it's not a one size fits all. Whether you want government intervention or not depends on the time. I think right now we need to calm the waters. I think with so much money on the sidelines and so much easy credit available, that rates are minuscule. You know, the 30 year treasury is at 1.5%. I mean, like what, what, you know, like what is happening? Yeah. You can easily leverage if you're, if you're a company. So, so then print money and don't raise taxes. Like that's the whole MMT argument. The MMTers have it like backwards. They say raise taxes only if the economy overheats until the economy overheats, just keep printing money and like doing things with this money and spending. And I, I don't like this, but it's conceptually, it's interesting because it's kind of equivalent. Like printing money is a tax basically. And that, that's why I also think this whole discussion about taxes. Yeah, but nobody, uh, but nobody thinks that's the right way of thinking about it. But, but the average are. American doesn't understand. Yeah, but we are thinking about it. So in a sense, if you think about basically Biden can raise taxes and print less money, Trump can just print more money and the net effect will be equal to the economy. So maybe everything I said <laughs> is dependent on how much money they're going to print. But if you say both of them are going to print the same amount of money, and one is going to raise more taxes. The other one is going to keep them low. I think the second one is better. I think it's it's how much money they're going to print and when they're going to actually corporations versus the government take the money that's out there and deploy it. For sure. And if corporations keep on sitting on it, then or buying or buying stock, buying you know, creating just buying their stock off the market. That doesn't help anybody. It helps the corporation. No, it helps the corporation. It helps the corporation, yes, to manage profits but, but not create help. real jobs. No, but I mean, yeah. for, again, forget about jobs. It helps the corporation and they can pass on these like profits to making products cheaper. Like when Walmart doing really, really well. But they well, don't do that. But they, I know, but this is, it's the same fallacy, but it's the same fallacy. Look, I, I love my corporations. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm. You know, I'm for it. And we, I've run companies, my own companies, you've run your own companies. Listen, yes, to I, I'm, I'm 
for corporations for the free market. However, corporations don't pass on these things as savings to consumers. They keep it and they pay out the executives. It just is. It's kind of like the same thing as if we're going to call Biden and the left, uh, well, Bernie is kind of socialist. I mean, he self-described. But if we're going to call Biden a socialist, then we have to call out the same, but or 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 say, you know, he's closer to the socialism scale, which he's not at all. Or to call out the corporations on the other side too. It's, it's a nice, easy idea to say, hey, you know what? In communism, everyone is going to contribute what they can to the full capacity. That's a great idea, which doesn't work on principle. Yeah. Similarly, a great idea is to say, oh, and the corporations are going to take this money and just pass it down and make products cheaper and yeah. pass it to the consumer. It is also a, a beautiful idea, which doesn't happen. You know, so like it doesn't happen both ends. I agree. And also, if I had to self-criticize my position about Trump is like it's not else equal because like just like Biden spends money on like, let's say, stupid things like Buy American, which I am completely against. Trump spends it on building a, a fucking wall which is the worst thing ever and on increasing the military, which is already really big and on like spending it on the police instead of like, I mean, I'm not for defunding the police, but yeah, take their tanks away. Like why, why do the police need tanks? It's like, I say, if you're a police and you need a tank, you just call the national guard. Like it's not that yeah. just like,